Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lats the Lats Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode 233 of the Lax Factor Podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost, and today we are going to complete, finally, we're going to complete my preseason top 20. The Inside Lacrosse Media poll already came out, but this is uh, this didn't doesn't fully represent what I put in, but at least my top 10 picks did represent fully what I ended up submitting. And then uh, probably next week or this weekend, I'll go through and talk about what I changed, why I changed it. And we're going to start previewing, you know, legitimate freaking lacrosse games for the following weekend in this weekend's, this Sunday's episode. So come back. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, share the crap out of this with your friends, and you can go to laxfactor.com. So Support us that way. You can buy swag. You can watch our videos there. You can actually get non-Lax Factor related t-shirts that I personally designed and then watch our uh, strategy and our film review videos and all that crap. So let's stop yammering here and I want to talk about my number five team here for 2023 in the preseason poll. It's going to be Georgetown. Now, the Hoyas, they had themselves a nice 2022. They finished regular season 13-1, and their only loss, a 10-8 oopsie at the hands of Princeton, and they picked up quality wins last year against Penn, Notre Dame, Lehigh, and Denver during the regular season. G- Georgetown's one of those teams I used to chirp about their weak schedule, and they've beefed that up, and they do play a pretty solid non-conference schedule now. And their conference itself, not the strongest, but it's not terrible. And there's some decent rivalries in there between, uh, you know, like Villanova, still a team that can upset people. Denver's not in conference anymore. I don't believe Denver's in the Big East anymore. Maybe they are. But either way, uh, they skated through the Big East in the regular season. They won the tourney as well and rolled into the NCAA tournament as both uh, uh, the second seed and obvious favorite to, uh, you know, obvious favorite alongside of Maryland. But it wasn't to be because Delaware bounced the Hoyas in the first round. It was actually a beautiful thing to behold. And I actually did a film review video that you could watch about what Delaware did in the opening minutes of that game and the closing minutes of that game to gain control and put themselves in a good position and then, you know, come back from behind and actually win the game. So give that a watch if you want. Uh, But luckily for Georgetown, they have a plethora of guys returning from last year with a chip on their shoulder nonetheless and uh, something to prove after getting bounced in the first round last season. But once again, in, in this case here, before I talk about the returners that Georgetown has coming back, and they have a solid group of returners coming back, I actually want to talk about the transfers that Georgetown brought in because at this stage, Georgetown, they're pretty much, they've taken over at least this season as transfer U, and I'd argue, you know, they might have even been right up there with Maryland as transfer U last season. So Tucker Dordovic, he was an early announcement and a huge get for Georgetown. Dordovic ran attack last season for Syracuse and put up 47 goals with 12 helpers. Now, considering the Hoyas lost Dylan Watson, 
one of their biggest goal scorers, an absolute goal scoring just monster. They lost him to the portal. He'll be suiting up for Jacksonville in 23. Dordovic's 47 goals. They are a hugely welcomed addition. And his ability to play both midfield and attack just adds depth and utility that you don't always get out of a player with that level of experience as well. Because at this point, Dordovic's like 30 years old. He's been in school for so long. He, he lost a full season to injury, and he had the COVID season. So this kid is literally a sixth-year uh, senior at this point. Um, you know, so his – let me see here. But I, and, I, and I did hear he'll be playing attack almost exclusively is what I've heard thus far. But either way, no matter what ends up happening, he can do anything that you need him to do, and I'm sure he'll be willing to do anything that he can do to help this team win. That's not all, though. I mean, that's a huge get. But Nikki Solomon from North Carolina, 20 goals and 17 helpers. Jacob Kelly, 20 and 15, another Carolina transfer. Both ditched Chapel Hill to join former UNC teammate Will Bowen in D.C. Brian Minikis. Yeah, another former attackman they grabbed in the portal out of Colgate. He put up 59 points a year ago. So, I mean, they have very reminiscent of what Maryland has done to kind of load up their offense at times last year. Georgetown has done it this year and some. They did lose Owen McElroy in cage, an All-American uh, on this roster last year, an incredible goalkeeper. I think he was the goalkeeper of the year as well. Uh, but they did pick up in the portal Daniel Hanks, the, the, the transfer from Dartmouth. He's a serviceable goaltender. And uh, I think with the defense that Georgetown's going to put in front of him, I expect him to excel and maybe even pull himself an All-American nod. I think that's how good the defensive unit's going to be with the leaders that they bring back. I think they're good enough to take a goalie that maybe hung, what was his stats, uh, uh, Hanks, a 52% save percentage. They could propel this kid up to a 58% save percentage with the, the solid defense that he has in front of him. He is a very serviceable goalie. So... Who are the returners uh, that factored last season for the Hoyas? All-American Graham Bundy Jr. returns to anchor the midfield, one of the best midfielders in the country. Kid's a playmaker, and he puts up big numbers. Also back, All-American Will Bowen, also last season's Defensive Player of the Year. Bowen is surely going to miss his linemate Gibson Smith, uh, Zach Geddes, but they have plenty of guys that played in every game last season that should be able to step up and help Bowen out. Anytime you lose defensive starters, it's always a question mark who's going to fill that role and how are they going to do. In this case, these aren't guys that haven't played that will be stepping in to fill these roles. These are guys that played every single game at some point and factored. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of go into who they are here. Uh, and then back at the dot, also honorable mention All-American James Riley, who won 60% of his draws a season ago. Now the key returners, as I said, Graham Bundy Jr., speaking of the numbers that he puts up, 45 goals, 25 helpers, 70 points off 28 0.7% shooting and 19 turnovers. Now, for a guy that mixes it up as much as he does, 19 turnovers is a low number. He's a very efficient midfielder overall. TJ Haley at attack, 11 goals, 30 helpers. Uh, Declan McDermott, uh, 29 and 8. Dylan Hess, 13 and 5. Dordovic, as I said, was 47 and 12, the transfer from Cuse. Solomon and Kelly, I already spoke of their numbers, 20 and 17 and 20 and 15, respectively. Brian Minikis was 36 and 23. So they have a bunch of dudes that not only can score goals, but they can kind of mix it up and do it all. Dordovic, very goal heavy, but between Solomon, Kelly, and Minikis, they got themselves three very well rounded players that can both score goals and dish 
the rock uh, at, a, at a pretty effective rate here. James Riley, he won 60.5% of his faceoffs, picked up 143 GBs, had six goals, five helpers, and only 14 turnovers. And that's that 14 turnovers is a faceoff guy who's picked up 143 GBs. That is very few turnovers. That means he's winning them possessions and they're keeping the ball on that side of the field. You see some faceoff guys will win the possession. Turn the ball over. Riley's not that guy. Will Bowen, 34 cost turnovers a year ago, 42 GBs, a goal and three helpers, and a defensive player of the year award. Not bad. James Donaldson will be back at D, seven cost turnovers. Wallace Halpert will be back at D, 15 cost turnovers. They both played, I believe, in every game last year. And then Daniel Hanks, the transfer in cage, 52% save percentage, a 4-9 and nine record, but he started every game for Dartmouth, and Dartmouth wasn't very good at lacrosse last year. So between a solid core of returning players and a a very impressive haul in the transfer portal at key positions. Georgetown is looking poised to win, I'd say, 13 to 15 games yet again. And they're hoping that number is going to be more than 15 because then that would be a good indication that they made it past the first round of the NCAA tournament. So long as Hinks fits, uh, plugs in well, uh, at Cage and the guys snagging the starting spots up at defense uh, gel. This team should be able to outscore just about everyone in the country. Their offensive firepower is going to be something to see overall, as long as everyone plays well together. And uh, they, you know, they they do have veterans galore. So I like the chances of Georgetown gelling well on offense. I like the chances that Georgetown's replacements at close D are going to play well and be anchored by a an incredible defender, one of the best defenders in a long time, Will Bowen. I think their their keeper is going to hold up, and I think as long as all of those stars align, Georgetown should be a top three team here by the end of the season. I as I and and here's another caveat. I I if I could do this over again. I would probably put Georgetown in at three uh, after seeing what Princeton and Cornell lost. I think Georgetown probably deserves the number three spot. So, I'll, like I said, I get to adjust this every week however I want to, and no one can tell me different. So the poll that I put out here after this weekend, because I probably eh, I probably won't put one out. I'm probably going to ride or die by this poll, but I, I'm going to be honest. I have already want to shuffle it because of all the research I've done into all these teams. I Like I said, I initially ranked everybody. And did it off of a little research, and now I've, I'm ranking them and looking at them through a different lens where I've done a bunch of research, and I want to reshuffle everybody for the most part. But I think I'm going to stick with it until after the first week. My number four team here is going to be Princeton. Now, Princeton had a hell of a season in 2022. They went 9-5 and five in the regular season and only 3-3 three and three in the Ivy. So they made the NCAA tournament off of quality regular season play alone. They held wins over NCAA tournament teams, Georgetown, Rutgers. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Kers, Penn, Brown, and Boston U. That's a lot of quality wins. And their losses were all respectable and came at the hands of Maryland, Yale, Harvard, Cornell, and then Maryland for a second time in the NCAA tournament semifinals. They bring back Alex Slusher. 
a proven goal scorer on attack. He dropped 46 goals in 2022, and he'll be looking for a new wingman to feed him the rock as Chris Brown is gone, as are his 41 assists. Third-team All-American Jake Stevens will be back for the Tigers, and he'll bring his insane uh, stat uh, uh, stats like kind of across the board with him. As a midfielder that plays well between the boxes, he put up 22 goals, two helpers with a 38.6 shooting percentage, 65 GBs, and seven cause turnovers, one of the best returning all-around midfielders in the country. Also back, honorable mention All-American Sam English. This is kind of that two-midfielder duo that they have. Uh, English put up 48 points a year ago, including 30 goals. He, too, shoots the ball well, 34.5%, but that's not where it ends. They got Coulter Maxey back, Alexander Verdaro, Cristiano, uh, Cristiano, Christian Ronda. Uh, all those guys can score goals, and they're all back as well. The faceoff dot, capable hands, Tyler Sandoval's back. He won 53.6% of his draws in 2022, and he fared well against some good competition. He didn't do bad. They lose their best close defender in George Bond. All-American, but Ben Finley, who started every game last season and snagged up 16 cause turnovers, he's back. Pace Billings and Colin Mulshine both started a bunch of games last year combined for 23 cause turnovers. They're back. All in all, the defense took a hit to graduation, but they have some quality contributors that played last year back, and they have enough experience coming back overall. I think they're going to be okay. What worries me, and this is one of the reasons I think I probably should have dropped Princeton to four, uh, five or the six region, and Georgetown should probably be three or four, is that they lost their goalie, Eric Peters, to graduation. He saved 55.5% of his shots from a year ago, and he was a big reason Princeton was able to defeat Yale and advance to the NCAA semis. He had 17 saves in that 14-10 win over Yale. Huge. Key returners. Alex Slusher, as I said, he was 46-10 last year. Sam English, 30-18. Coulter Maxey, 28-15. Vardaro, 26-15. Ronda, 23-2. Stevens, 22-2. Sandoval wins faceoffs at a 53.6% rate. And then, like I said, Finley, Billings, Mulshine, uh, all back on defense here. Who are they going to put in cage is a big question. How are some of these guys that didn't start a full season but did get some starts, how are they going to uh, kind of stand in and do well? And then, you know, SSDM, what are they going to do there? In the end, I'm rewarding Princeton for having a solid group of returners and for winning more games than they lose uh, overall more often than not. They got off to an incredible start in 2020 before COVID ended the season and then came out and beat a lot of good teams last year despite their losses on defense and in cage. I like the group of guys that they have back overall. I like the offense especially, and I think the defense will be good enough. Will the fall? Uh, will they fall out of the top five? Almost for sure. I think they're for sure going to fall out of the top five, and they will have to climb their way back into it. And the reason is they play a brutal non-conference schedule here. They have Maryland, Georgetown, Rutgers, and Penn, and then Yale after their first two gimme games against Monmouth and Manhattan. So they're going to start 2-0, and but then they got to play Maryland, Georgetown, Rutgers, Penn, and Yale. That stretch of five games right there, that's pretty much going to decide Princeton's season. If they can't go 3-2, and two, over that stretch or you know at least 2 and 3 over that stretch they'll just have they'll just have to about win out through the rest of the season and into the uh, uh, Ivy League tournament to be able to get into the NCAA tournament. So yeah, I think they're for sure going to fall out. I'm rewarding them to a degree for what they did last season and kind of letting them lose the spot. But if I were to do this again, I might put them at number five, number six, and have Georgetown ahead of them because I think Georgetown is a much better team, 
my reason for putting Georgetown at five is even though I think they're going to be a top three team, maybe even a top one or two team all year long, is uh, they lost last year in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So I couldn't I couldn't see giving Georgetown a four spot, even though I think they're probably deserving of a two or three spot. I couldn't give them that four spot because you lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. There's got to be some kind of a, you know smack on the hand for for losing that game. All right, that's done. My next team that I want to talk about here, my number three team is Cornell. And notice I'm giving love to the polls here. Uh, we started with Bowen in the first one. We've got Adler in this one. Uh, Cornell, 14-5 and five overall, 4-2, and two, and they lost to Maryland in the NCAA Finals. They started out the season hot. Cornell went 6-0 and before losing to Penn by a goal on the road. They then rattled off another four wins before losing to Army at home, as well as a stinker to Brown at home. And I say stinker because they got beat you know, by a little bit of a margin there. They finished the season with a huge win over Princeton, which ensured they got a spot in the Ivy League tournament only to lose to Yale in the first round. But the resume was built. That poor end of the season, losing three of the last four games, did not hurt their momentum. After that Ivy League tournament defeat, they still got into the NCAA tournament and went on a tear, defeating Ohio State, Delaware, and Rutgers to advance to face Maryland in the finals on Memorial Day. They dropped that game 7-9, but they played the Terps as tough as anyone had all year, especially defensively holding Maryland to just nine goals in the loss, which was Maryland's lowest scoring output all season long. One thing I'm wondering with this team is how will they bounce back after losing a wealth of defenders from last year's team? Yes, Gavin Adler, one of the best three cover guys in college lacrosse and was a first-team All-American in 2022. He's back. Chase Erlin, also back between the pipes. Now, Erlin, he didn't have like an amazing save percentage overall on the season, but in the NCAA tournament, he played incredible. He had 13 saves against Ohio State. That's good for a 61.9% save percentage. 15 saves against Delaware in the next round, 65.2%. 15 saves in the semifinal win over Rutgers at 62.5%. And he did all he could against the best offensive lacrosse team we've seen in a decade, Maryland, with nine saves for 50%. So the kid played like an All-American goalie through the NCAA tournament, if that continues for Cornell, even though they lost lost some guys at, uh, uh, at short stick D-mid, LSM, and close defense. I think that as long as he continues to play the way he did in the tournament and goes into this season with that level of confidence and swag, I like their chances of kind of remaining a good defensive team. Not to mention Cornell, the last five years or so, pretty much since I've been doing this podcast, Cornell, no matter who their personnel has been on the defensive side of the ball, they start one way, and by the end of the year, every single year, Cornell has been a very good defensive team. So you have an All-American like Adler. You have Chase Erlin, who played like an All-American through the tournament last year. I like the chances that by midseason, Cornell's going to be playing really good defensive lacrosse. But that's not even why I'm here. I'm here to talk about the offense. That's what I'm really excited about uh, in 2023 for Cornell. They lost John Piatelli to graduation in the pro game, and he's doing well. Good for him. But they have a bunch of high-quality guys back that should be fun to watch. Now, C.J. Kirst was electric in the NCAA tournament, scoring 15 points over four games, including a seven-goal outing in the Big Reds' first-round win over Ohio State. Even better, he's willing to scrap. He caused 14 turnovers in the riding game, picked up 47 GBs. Him and Adler both lead by example and set the tone for how everybody else plays, which is very hard. Cursed on the season, 
55 goals, 24 helpers, 30% shooting, 30% plus technically, 47 GBs, 25 turnovers, as I said. Michael Long, 34 goals, 32 helpers, shot the rock at a 44.7% clip. That's incredible. Billy Coyle, 26 and 14. Hugh Kelleher, one of my favorite midfielders, a big boy, 23 and 8. Uh, Aiden Blake, 15 and 7. Adler cost 34 turnovers a year ago with 75 GBs and a helper. He's back. Uh, Jack Follows. Defender, four-cost turnovers, 15 GBs. He started six games last season. I believe it was the last six games of the season. And Chase Erlin, 5-2-6 save percentage, 13-5 record, starting all 19 games. But he had a hell of a four-game run in the NCAA tournament. At the end of the day, and after looking, like I said, deeper into this roster, I don't feel great about having him at number three either. This is where I think I could have easily bumped Cornell and Princeton down to five and four and probably should have put Georgetown at three. But alas, we can't go back in time. But they're going to be very they're going to be very inexperienced at defense in their overall success in 2023. It's not going to be decided by Adler or Chase Erlin, but by the guys that step in and end up snagging up those other starting roles at close defense, LSM and short stick D mid. So those guys, as long as they can come in and just play their roles, they don't have to be spectacular. They just have to be solid. Cornell, especially by midseason, I think is going to be humming and they'll be good to go. But once again, they play a tough schedule too. So the, you know how they play out of conference is going to matter greatly. The reason the Ivy was so good last year is every Ivy League team except for Dartmouth played well out of conference. It didn't matter what they did to each other in conference. The, the whole conference pretty much beat everybody they played out of conference, and that's why they got so many teams into the NCAA tournament. They're going to have to keep that up, but it will be hard because... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They're not playing like a lot of these other teams where Georgetown got transfers, Maryland got transfers, Syracuse had huge holes from last year's roster. They got transfers, Virginia transfers. You know, they're not getting that and they're losing guys to graduation. The plus for Cornell is they are letting their guys, I believe, play that fifth year. So it looks like they didn't bleed quite as much talent as some of the other Ivy League teams that aren't allowing those guys the fifth year from COVID. So that's going to help them. But it, like, who who steps up and who's going to fill those spots, that's going to matter greatly for Cornell and their prospects overall. Now, my next team, and I'll probably, yeah, we'll talk about them a lot too. My next team here that I have, my number two preseason team, and some people are going to chirp me for this, but it is Maryland. Maryland had an insane season in 2022. As you all know, they go 18-0. Their offense was an all-time great, and that they got everybody involved offensively. They shot lights out as a team, and their defense was probably as good, but probably not, but they were almost as good. Of those first-team guys, they get two of them back. Luke Weirman's back, the nation's best face-off man. Brett Maycar, who I think is one of the best top three overall defenders in the country, he also returns. Ajax Zapatello, third-team selection at close D. He's back. Zapatello was an absolute thief in 2022, forcing 27 turnovers for the Terps. Honorable mention selections, John Gepper at LSM and Kyle Long both return, and I expect everyone I just named 
to be a numbered All-American in 2023. I think all of them will grab number one through number three spots. None of those guys will be honorable mention. I think they'll all be numbered All-Americans next year. Now, they had 12 All-Americans in 2022. They lose six of those, and uh, uh, they lose six of the 12, and they were productive guys that they're losing, including a Tawarton winner in Logan Wisnowskis, one of the best all-time defensive midfielders in Roman Pugliese. Uh, they lose Bubba Fairman, another. I think they ended up losing four uh, defensive midfielders, uh, and two of them were Bubba Fairman and Pugliese. The third one, I forget his name offhand, but he was also really good. Uh, but on the bright side, six of them are coming back. Uh, let's see here, and I think I just listed those. Uh, okay, so let me go through this though. Um, no, yeah, I did. I literally jumped jumped a, a paragraph, and then when I got back to it, it screwed me up here. Uh, so third team selection, Ajax Zapatello. He led the Terps and caused turnovers and started 18 games at close defense. He can also push the ball in transition. He had a goal and three assists a season ago. Um, like I said, Weirman and Maycar both back. Uh, Weirman won 66.1% of his draws. He picked up 160 ground balls, scored eight goals, and had seven helpers. Maycar, like I said, one of the best three defenders in the country, didn't take the ball away a ton. I think he had about, what was it, um, 15 caused turnovers, but people dodge him. When you're one of the best defenders in the country, people don't get all excited about trying to dodge on you. So I, I talked about in my next man up video for Maryland that I don't expect Maycar's numbers to improve all that much, but what I do expect to improve is his leadership, his his uh, you know field general capabilities and all that. I think he's going to be the team leader on this defense, and they're going to be just fine overall. Uh, key returners, Eric Maliver. 26 goals, 22 helpers, 48 points, out for the season, though. And this is why I did not give Maryland the number one spot. I'll talk about it a little bit more here, but Kyle Long's their top returning scorer at this point, 17 and 25 a year ago. Owen Murphy, 40, uh, 34 and 5. Weirman won 66.1% of his faceoffs, just bonkers. Geppert had 13 caused turnovers at LSM. Uh, uh, you know, Logan McNaney back in cage, 59.7% uh, uh, save percentage, 18-0 and 0 record starting all 18 games. Man, I jumped all over the place when I read this, so I butchered the, the, Maryland, um, the Maryland read here. Now, some of you guys are going to say, how could you not have Maryland at number one? until they lose the spot themselves. And my answer is simple. They lost a metric shit ton of talent overall. Did you not hear me sit, state above? They lost six All-Americans, people. Uh, yes, they, they kept six All-Americans, but they still lost six All-Americans. And they were some of, they were there, like they lost, I believe, uh, four or five of their top returning scorers. And I'm saying the top four returning scorers. They lost a Tawarton winner on offense. They lost their top four leading scorers. That was in my notes from a season ago. And they lost last season's fifth leading scorer, Eric Maliver, out for the season with a leg injury. They lose their top three, I think actually four, short stick D-mids. They lost a starting close defender. That's what's known as bleeding talent. And they have a lot of – so, yes, they do have a lot of guys sitting here waiting to play that are top-notch recruits, a bunch of top 100 guys here, whatever. But when you compare to what Maryland has lost compared to the team that I put here in my number one spot – I think it justifies my decision overall for my number one team being Virginia. And this is, this is the only picture I can get of, uh, of uh, good old um, Shelly. 
Uh, Virginia, they were 12-4 last year, 5-1 and one in conference, and lost to Maryland in the NCAA quarterfinals. They had a consistency issue, Virginia did in 2022. At times, they didn't gel well overall offensively. They didn't have great flow. And then defensively, it was very similar. There was just games where they just did not hold up well defensively. And they're a team where if they don't play well offensively, their defense is not built to endure. You know, they're a let's let's gel, let's get up and down the field, let's mix things up. So if the offense isn't playing well, by nature, their defense is going to have a little bit of time struggling. Maryland last year, if their offense didn't gel in a couple of games, like that last game against Cornell in the NCAA tournament, the defense was good enough to kind of hold Cornell back and give continue to give the offense chances to stay on top. Virginia's defense, is, was at least not last year, was not built that way. And I don't see the Virginia defense winning them too many games. I see Virginia being built as a team where they're all going to have to have at least a decent game to win. As long as they each, each unit has a decent game, they're going to win almost all of their games here. Um, the Richmond loss, that wasn't great, but the circumstances were understandable. Petey LaSala left the game with an injury after winning 9 of 10 draws. When he left the game, Virginia had a lead. Gable Braun came in. He goes 11-23 through the rest of the game. That gave Richmond enough juice overall to pull away. Freshman goaltender Matthew Noons also had a miserable game, giving up seven goals to just 10 saves. Now, Noons' worst game was the Cavs' third loss of the season to Duke, where he made just eight saves to 15 goals against. Noons struggled with consistency overall last season, and that showed in their losses as four of his worst seven games came in UVA losses, but he wasn't to blame in any of them. So don't get me wrong. I'm just illustrating that a couple things stood out in Virginia's losses. Schellenberger didn't necessarily play well, as at least I believe in that Richmond game. Uh, he scored one goal off just uh, off 10 shots or something like that. I think in the Richmond game, that kind of helped them lose that game as well. Uh, the defense, like I said, does not play well, especially when the offense doesn't play well and when P.D. LaSalle is not winning possessions. But the main reason I'm willing to allow Virginia, a team that didn't even make it to the Final Four last year, my number one spot here, it's because of who they bring back as their roster of returning guys overall is just nuts. So let's kind of rip through them here. Schellenberger back. All he was a second-team All-American, 32 and 44, off 36% shooting. Cormier, honorable mention, All-American. He'll be a numbered All-American this year, 50 and 10, off 41% shooting. Transfer Thomas McConvey. Without McConvey, I might not have him in my number one spot. Vermont transfer. He had 60 goals and 14 helpers last year, one of the best midfielders in the country, off 41.7% shooting, another big, huge lefty. So now they've got Cormier, a goal-scoring monster on the left side. Up top on the left side, they got McConvey, 60-goal scorer. That's that's bonkers. Xander Dixon, who had an incredible season last year playing primarily off ball and just kind of filling a, a, a random role wherever they needed to plug him in in the offensive sets. He was 31 and eight a 41.3% shooting. You see they're an incredible shooting team, which is another reason I like them. Jeff Connor, 14 and 18 off 32.6% shooting Griffin shuts 23 and seven off 34% shooting Lasala's back 59, uh, five, nine, seven uh, face off percentage with 10 points to go with that uh, on defense like a, a lot of these teams they might bring back everyone on offense but they lost guys on defense not Maryland Cole Kastner's back Cade Sawstead is back they had 32 and 17 cost turnovers between them Quentin Matsui back Scott Bauer 
back. Grayson Soliday, excellent short stick D midfielder. I believe an All-American short stick D midfielder. Back. Matthew Nunes and Cage, only a 49.8 save percentage last year, but an 11-4 record started all 15 games. He's back. I imagine he's going to be in the area of 52 to 55% next year. I think he will take that next step up, and he has a good returning defense in front of him. Also, I haven't talked about any Incoming freshmen is part of this. Like I said, I hate talking about incoming freshmen, partly because I do this part time and I don't, you know, I'm already spending a metric shit ton of time putting these together anyway. It's hard to then go through and figure out who the freshmen are and are they good enough to actually factor. You got dudes like Schellenberger that got freaking, he's one of the best attackmen in the country right now, but he redshirted at Virginia. So I don't like to talk about freshmen all the time because, you know, you could talk about the number one player in the country and he, you know, only is either just filling a very small role for a team like Virginia or they're getting redshirted like Schellenberger did. In fairness, when Schellenberger got redshirted, Virginia had an absolutely filthy attack running in front of him. Um, so, and then some of you are going to say, hey, you saw Maryland did bring back six All-Americans, right? Well, and Virginia only returns three, so why am I so excited well, it's because Connor Schellenberger is going to be a first-team All-American in 2023 and a Twarton finalist, one of my favorites for winning it. Cormier will have another 50-plus goal season. McConvey may be one of the best three- to five midfielders in the country. You know, I mean, that's just incredible. These guys are going to be really good on offense, and I like that. I think that they may have one of those seasons like Maryland have had last year. You know, like Maryland loses Jared Bernhardt, the the Twarton winner did he not win the Twarton that year did did Bernhardt win the win the Twarton either way Maryland loses Jared Bernhardt everyone's like man how is their offense going to be with Wisnowskis is the new number one he's not a huge ball carrier Maryland's offense without Jared Bernhardt was better with the the year after and it was it, it was just one of the best offensive showings I've ever had I actually have a feeling Virginia is going to find that kind of flow and that we may see them kind of be the offensive team that didn't click great last year, but that is going to click, you know, like an all-time offense here this year. Because when you look at the talent everywhere, and more importantly, high-level talent that is willing to play a smaller role, it's it's incredible. Their roster is incredible. Uh, their goalie has a season under his belt. Uh, where his only losses were to Maryland twice, Duke, and just that one bad game to Richmond. I think he's going to be a year better, and almost every guy that fought in front of him a year ago is back. You have a face-off guy that's going to be out for blood in P.D. LaSala after Luke Wehrman bested him twice. This team returns a metric shit ton of talent, and almost every guy I listed in my bullet points above is capable of at least being an honorable mention All-American in 2023. Maryland had 12... All-Americans in 2022, I predict Virginia is going to have more All-Americans than every other team in the nation in 2023. You can bet on that. And actually, in my notes, I just put bet because I, I like uh, you know drawing, drawing lingo in from uh, the new generation of youth. I've already taken out my futures bet on Virginia to win the national title. Caveat. I also took out a futures bet on Georgetown to win the national title, so I'm, I'm banking against two teams winning here. I've... Uh, Let's see here, and then what else? Uh, but I, I, I do, no matter, even though I did take Virginia, uh, Georgetown, I still think the smart money overall is on Virginia. I think they bring back more. They don't bring back a better defense, but they bring back m- more guys on defense. They bring back their starting goalie where Georgetown lost theirs. Now, Georgetown's offense is going to be crazy, 
but Georgetown's offense is going to have a lot of key contributors that are transfers that are just starting to play together, whereas Virginia, all these guys were in the mix last year. I didn't talk about Truett Sunders. Uh, uh, oh, I said I didn't talk about new t- newcomers all the time, uh, but Truett Sunderland, I think he's going to factor for Virginia, so look at all the guys they're bringing back, and he's one of the newcomers that I think actually will factor heavily here in 2023. Uh, I missed that whole point here. I kind of butchered this whole podcast, but hey, forgive me. It's a Wednesday morning. I've already worked crazy hours the first two days of the week here. So I think Smart Money is on Virginia. They returned the bulk of their high-level contributor contributors. They only lost Matt Moore on offense. Um but he was their dodging attackman. Could it be one of those deals where, hey, you lose your your best dodging attackman, and everyone's like, well, hey, that's a big hole to fill. Matt Moore has been you know running around on attack for Virginia for like 20 years at this point. I think they might actually be better on offense this year, even without a guy like Matt Moore. I think that they'll share the ball a little bit more. Uh, Matt Moore at times didn't shoot the ball well, and he's a high-volume shooter. So I like what this offense is going to look like. I think we may see a repeat. Uh, you know, in terms of what Maryland did, I think Virginia may do that this year with their offensive efficiency overall. And now I'm rambling. I'm going to stop. That's it. That is my top 20. Like I said, come back Friday. I'm going to do a film review. I already decided what I was going to do the film review on, and I can't remember. Um, but come back Friday. I actually will get that film review out on Friday morning, as I always mean to, and then come back Sunday because Sunday. We are literally going to start previewing the games for the following week. I'm going to preview. Let's actually look at what the schedule looks like here. We're going to go to Inside Lacrosse. We are going to go to the this and for all you people who are like, you know, how do you figure out? Hey, Inside Lacrosse, your page is taking a really long time to load here, and I have killer internet uh, on top of it. Okay, there we go. Um, everyone's like, hey, where do I find scores and stats and the schedule and all that crap? It's like just go to the scores. I use the scores page on Inside Lacrosse because it's always going to have the uh, – it doesn't have it up yet. Let's look at the calendar. Here we go. All right. What games are we going to preview here this weekend? I am probably going to preview Ohio State Air Force because they're one of our top teams here. Uh, I'll talk quickly about some of these games that might not be huge matchups. Army and St. Joseph's is going to be a huge game that first weekend right there because St. Joseph's, I did not put them in my top 20. Uh, some douche was, I forget who the douche that was chirping me about that was, but, uh, yeah, I didn't have them in my top 20, uh, in, and maybe they deserve to be, they're bringing back a lot of, a lot of talent, especially on offense. I think they bring back that whole attack line or two or three of that incredible attack line they have, but that's going to be a huge game in that first weekend. Uh, I think that Maryland Richmond is going to be a huge game in that first weekend. Cuse Vermont, especially for the Cuse fans, cause we're all going to be pumped Denver, Utah. We see is Denver going to still be that Denver that's you know going to get themselves close to nine wins, or is maybe this the year Utah is going to upset Denver and maybe Denver does take a step back? I know a bunch of people didn't include Denver on their media polls. Uh, I did, and like I said, I felt bad. I actually bumped Denver in my actual voting. I bumped Dem- Denver back quite a bit from where I had them. And then that Jacksonville Hopkins game. So, I mean, hell, those are some really good games that first weekend. Sunday, who cares? Navy, Queens. That following week right there, Duke and High Point. So it's going to be dope, guys. The College Across is upon us. Come back for Sunday for sure because we're going to do previews for all of these these games this upcoming week. I'll make picks and all that good crap. But uh, as always, share the crap out of this podcast with your homies. Go to laxfactor.com. You can support us by buying some swag or just by watching our videos and you know sharing the page and all that good stuff. There is a big write-up. All of my notes from the podcast, 
uh, there's a huge write-up that goes along with every podcast, and I'm going to continue that through the week. So it's not just me yammering here, but you get my full notes across the board. And it, it, what, what a lot of you will end up noticing is I, I do read some of what I, I spit out here, uh, and I just feel like it's been it's you know made for a better show overall over preparing but then look at you can do the whole reading and i don't edit this shit so let just let's be clear i am not even trying to be a news reporter in the sense of a, a writer uh i i pretty much write this i could write i could edit it and i could make it flawless but who cares it's a blog so you'll get the idea from it so yeah you can go to laxfactor.com and support us that way and check all that shit out but that's it i will be back friday film review i will be back on sunday with the previews for next the, the following weekend's games. And as always, I just thank everyone for listening, for supporting me over the course of these four years. You got me over 10,000 subscribers. It is going to be an incredible 2023 college across season. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. The Lax Factor Podcast. <laughs>